The following Women's Basin show was recorded on Monday, December 11th, 2023. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Women's Spaces. My name is Elaine B. Holtz, and I'm your host. With me at the board is my friend, my partner, an engineer, and co-producer, Ken Norton. Good morning, Ken. Good morning, Elaine. Wow, another beautiful, beautiful week here in Sonoma County. And also, you know, we're heading towards the holidays. It's really kind of exciting watching everybody look around in the department stores, buying gifts and seeing Santa Claus and the kids crying while they're sitting on his lap. It's just it's just amazing. Well, I have a very special guest this morning, and she's starting to become one of our regulars. Joining me on the phone will be Reverend Dr. Patricia Keel, a longtime student of metaphysics and a spiritual teacher in the mystical tradition. Patricia uh, Patricia was the founding minister of Unity at Berkeley and is currently a frequent guest minister at the Unity Church here in Santa Rosa. It's it's really, it's hard to believe that Christmas is just 15 days away, and I thought uh, having Dr. uh, having uh, Dr. Reverend Patricia uh, Keel to be on to look at the Christmas story and some different perspectives on this holiday. For me, um, I think of Christmas and how it has become, it's been presented over the years, that it was supposed to be the story of the Prince of Peace, and here we are, 2023, having this brutal war. And you know, another thing that's very interesting, today is, yesterday actually, was the 75th anniversary, December 10th, the 75th anniversary of the... uh, Human Rights Day. You know, the Human Rights Day is observed by the international community every year on December 10th, and that was yesterday. It commemorates the day in 1948 that the United Nations General Assembly adopted the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. It's just amazing. It's just amazing. And, you know, what I did is I have right here because uh, uh, President Harry Truman uh, nominated... uh, First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt to be on the first uh, committee for the Human Rights Committee to start drafting this this uh, very, very important document. And she ended up becoming the chair. And I have a picture of her right in front of me. There she is. There's Eleanor Roosevelt, one of my heroes, holding up the Human Rights uh, Declaration. It's a huge, huge proclamation, a huge piece of paper. And it's just she's just so proud of it. And we as a country were very proud of it. And then look, look what's happening. Look what's happening when they're talking about, you know, the, it just, it's just heartbreaking when I think of the women and the children that are suffering. And it's always, always the children that suffer the most. I mean, when you look at war, war is ugly. And if war were the answer, my friends, we would have had peace a long time ago. This is not the way that we do things. And, you know, I, I'm not going to take a side. You know, I'm not going to say this guy's the bad guy, this guy's the good guy, this guy's the good guy, this bad guy's the bad guy. They're both wrong. They're warring. They're not sitting down like human beings. I mean, I wonder what it is about the human species that we can't just sit down and negotiate for peace. 
why we can't come to some sort of agreement among all of us that we live on this planet in peace because we're going nowhere with all these wars. War is just one destructive experience. You know, when I was looking at some of the earthquakes and some of the flooding, I mean, that's a war. Destroying, killing, hurting, maiming. And now they're reporting that they're killing doctors? Please, please, someone with some sense stand up and say, enough is enough, guys. You sit down at the table and you figure out a way to live together. Too many people are suffering. And we are not only suffering because we're in the war zone, but psychologically we're suffering. To think of all the wars that are going on around the a whole country, the whole world. I mean, it's, it's just, it's mind-boggling. And I don't know how to handle it myself. You know, I go back and forth. Well, you know, it's not my problem. Well, I'm frustrated. I'm a great-grandmother now. This is the world I'm leaving. You know, on and on. We're all frustrated. The first, But the first idea should be we should be writing our letters to the editor. We should be calling in any talk show we can and say, come on, guys, sit down and negotiate some peace. Stop this killing. It's not getting us anywhere. And the money that's being wasted, oh, my God. I mean, you think if we could feel, we could feed half the world with the money we're, we're spending and and just to destroy people in other countries. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to say anymore. <laughs> you know, it's, just, it's just mind-boggling for me. You know, as a mother, as a grandmother, as a great-grandmother, I just say to myself, wow, when is this going to stop? You know, I got something from Planned Parenthood, and it said enough is enough. Well, then it's enough is enough with these wars. Enough is enough for oppressing women and not giving them choice. Enough is enough for not taking care of our children by giving them good medical, good education, good water, good air, a place to live. I mean, what? Uh, I can go on and on. Anyway, like what I like to do is I always like every Monday morning is I like to talk about our history as our strength. Why is that important to me? I'll tell you why it's important to me, because it demonstrates what other people have done. And we are standing on the shoulders of many, many women who stood up for us so we could have the vote, so we could have a place at the table. I mean, when you look at the TV right now, there's so many women that are reporting the news that are out in the field. That never would have happened if it weren't for some of the women that we talk about every week, the shoulders that we're standing on. Well... December 10th, again, that was yesterday, (laughs) in 1869, wow, Wyoming is the first territory to give women the right to vote. Wow, the first territory to give women right to vote. Amazing, amazing. And then on December 14th, 1961, I think this is really amazing, the President's Commission on the Status of Women is established to examine discrimination against women and ways to eliminate it. And, you know, we have a very, very active commission here in Sonoma County, and I want to do a shout-out to former President Jan Blaylock, who is just stepping down after eight years, after eight years of serving her term as president. She's done some amazing things for the commission. You know, they went through all kinds of, uh, you know, challenges, particularly around COVID, you know, when all the, when the pandemic broke out. And they, she just hung on with the group, and they did many, many, many things. Well, another uh, birthday that's happening, and this this is a birthday. Say happy birthday. She was born December 14th, 1985, and she's still with us. And that's Wilma Mankeller. And she's sworn in as the principal chief of the Cherokee Nation of Oklahoma. The first woman in modern history to lead a major Native American tribe. 
Well, let's just talk a little bit about her. She was a Native American. She was of the Cherokee Nation. She was an activist, a social worker, a community developer, and the first woman elected to serve the principal chief of the, of the Cherokee Nation. Born in Tahlequah, Oklahoma, she lived in her family's allotment in Adair County, Oklahoma, until the age of 11, when her family relocated to San Francisco as part of the federal government program to urbanize Native Americans. Amazing. You know, just amazing. And, it, and when we go into our musical break, I'm going to play a special song and dedicate it to Wilma Pearl Mankiller. Her name does not match all the things that she did. I mean, it's just amazing. This woman is is really a very historic a human being. And then on December 13th, uh, 1903, and she made her transition in 1986, it's a very, very important woman, and that's Ella Baker, an organizer. She tried to develop local leaders for civil rights campaigns, but found male leaders in the NAACP, very interesting, quite unwilling to delegate power, helped lead the Southern Christian Leadership Conference until uh, Dr. King took over and worked with the Mississippi Freedom, uh, Freedom Democratic Party. And it's really interesting when you look at the history of Ella Baker. I believe in Oakland they have an Ella Baker Center. And she's just an amazing woman. And she stood up. But yet, during the time with the, with the different protests that were going on and, and all the leadership that was going on, it seemed to be very male-dominated. Domin- and Ella Baker was the one that stood up and said, hey, the women are here. You better pay attention. And it was not always that easy. Let me tell you, it, it's never been easy. And, and the, the Mississippi Freedom Democratic Party was also referred to simply as the Freedom Democratic Party, was an American political party that existed in the state of Mississippi from 1964 to 1968. And that's when the height of the civil rights, uh, an amazing organization. So a shout out to Ella Baker, who was born December 13, 1903, and made her transition in 19 excuse me 1986 amazing you know when you start looking at some of these women and and what they what they have done and then one of my last shout outs and my last happy birthdays for today is december 14th 1897 and she made her transition in 1995 Margaret Chase Smith, the first woman elected to both House of Congress, Republican in Maine, serving uh, eight years in the House of Representatives and 24 years in the Senate. Wow. And she was the first woman in the Senate to challenge uh, uh, Senator Joseph McCarthy. Uh, Joseph McCarthy, he was an anti-communist crusade. And that was really, I remember that. I was, when I was growing up, I, I was uh, born in East Los Angeles, but my family moved to West Los Angeles. And West Los Angeles is kind of like the uh, the hub of Hollywood. You know, the, they have a lot of the, uh, the studios out there, MGM, and all the different studios were around there. And all the actors and actresses at that time were really, really being threatened, being accused of some sort of communist activity. In fact, when I was in Fairfax High School in my civics class, you know, they used to teach civics way back then, and Mr. Ritterhoff was my teacher. I'll never forget this as long as I live. I raised my hand. I said, Mr. Ritterhoff, if communism is such a, uh, such a threat, why, why, don't we, uh, why don't we study it? So if I meet a communist, I'll, I'll know who it is. I'll know to stay away from him. And I, next thing I know was in the Girls' vice principal, they want to know why I want to know about communism. I mean, it was it was a, 
a telling time. And this woman here, Margaret Chase Smith, was the first woman to challenge him because it was definitely what they were doing, <coughs> excuse me, was definitely against our Constitution in the United States. Does that sound familiar? You know, here we are in 2023, and we're having the same issues. Our Constitution is being threatened. I mean, we actually have people who are running and saying they're going to destroy the, the Constitution when they get elected. I mean, that's kind of scary. It really is. Well, we have a lot to cover this morning, and so we're going to take a musical break right now. And like I said, I'm going to be dedicating this song. It's a song written by uh, Becky Hobb, and it's from her her uh, from her play Naya Hay, the story of her uh, great 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 grandmother who was a Cherokee woman. And I just thought this was really appropriate, you know, with uh, looking at uh, uh, Wilma Mankiller's birthday. I thought to myself, you know. This this kind of this song kind of feels like this might be in her heart or even in the heart of every Native American out there. You know, the wars that they had to go through, you know, all the different issues with the white population coming in and their own their own problems and issues. And here they, she wrote this song this wonderful, wonderful play that explains a lot of the uh issues around what was going on with the Cherokee Nation. So let's go ahead and let's play that song and when we return when we return, I will be talking to Reverend Patricia Keel, and we'll be talking about uh, Christmas, which is 15 days away, and some of the traditions and some of the, you know, there's all kinds of different different things that spiral into Christmas, into the birth of so-called Prince of Peace. I mean, it's just, it hurts my mouth when I say that. We are celebrating the birthday of the Prince of Peace, who walked in the Holy Lands, where they are warring like crazy right now. It does not make any sense. And I want to know why this is called the birth of the Prince of Peace. I want to know what is going around around this holiday and what do we need to pay attention to that maybe can actually help us bring peace on earth. So let's go ahead, Ken. Let's play Becky Hobbs. Uh, let there be peace. In a field of corn In the land of the Cherokee I did my chores But I knew there was more Than my eyes could see I married young He was brave and strong But he died fighting for his queen took his place, but I vowed someday that we would live in peace. Let there be peace, let there be love, let life fly free as the morning On to the warrior's song, but a change whispered through the wind. The white man's heart 
leads the same as ours. When will we understand? Our children died in the white wolf cry. All ye people, lay down your guns. It's time to lead our hearts to peace. That we may live as one. Let there be peace. Let is such an emotional song. Listen to the song she's singing. Listen to what she's asking. Let there be love. Let there be peace. Think of that. Love and peace. And remember, no justice, no peace. No love, no peace. Very, very important to think about that. I mean, this just this hits me in the heart, especially if you listen to her whole album by Becky Hobbs. There's one song she sings because her husband is killed in the war. And you really feel, you really feel that. In fact, I think I'm going to play that one time just arbitrarily because it really expresses what women feel. I mean, what their, what your children feel losing somebody in a war. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's heartbreaking. Anyway, for you just joining us, I want to remind you, um, I remind my listeners that the, oh boy, this really got me. For the just for you just joining us, uh, I want to remind my listeners that the opinions expressed here are not necessarily the opinions of the station, its board of directors, its members, or women's spaces. God, my eyes, I got tears in my eyes, Ken. I can hardly read the script. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz. Uh, without further ado, I want to introduce my guest joining me on the phone, Reverend Dr. Patricia Keel, a longtime student of metaphysics and a spiritual teacher in the metaphysical tradition, and somebody that has really impacted uh, Ken and our lives in the most positive way. Well, welcome, Dr. Keel. Welcome to Women's Spaces. 
Hi, Elaine and Ken. Great to be with you. Really great. Well, I'm really happy to have you. And that that was some song. It just got me in the heart. I couldn't believe it. It was all of a sudden. Yeah. I could barely I could barely read this the script. Um, can I call you Patricia? Oh, please do. Patricia, <laughs> is it okay if I tell our listeners just a little bit about you? Well, I think that would be fine. I, I love that you get a disclaimer because <laughs> that, you know, what we're saying is not necessarily everybody's belief, and that's absolutely the truth. So I love that. Powerful. We all have our own understanding of these uh, traditions and even what peace is. So thank you, Elaine. Yeah, you can say say what you wish. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, keep, I'll keep it righteous. <laughs> Well, Reverend Dr. Peel is a longtime student of metaphysics and a spiritual teacher combining Western metaphysics with Eastern mysticism. She believes, I love this, she believes that every woman carries within her the wisdom, insight, and inner strength to overcome challenges and create miracles in the world. Her work as a teacher, coach, speaker, and trainer spans over 30 years with the diverse groups from all cultures, faith, and tradition. Patricia is the founding uh, minister of Unity of Berkeley and is currently a frequent guest minister at Unity Churches here in Northern California. Her study in India over the past 40 years brings a unique depth to her work. East meets Western spirituality. I personally have heard her talk several times and thought, that I was inspired by what she had to say, so I wanted to my listeners to also have that opportunity. So go ahead, Patricia. Is there anything that you would like to add? Well, I'd like to subtract twenty years. <laughs> from, well, not only just in just in general, but from I actually been going to India for for seventeen years, not forty years, and I'm going back again in February, which will be an adventure since. You know, COVID, I haven't been back there. So, but other than that, no, no, beautiful. And it's lovely to be with you uh, in this season of light, darkness moving into light this holy season. Well, you know, it's interesting that you talk about that you've been to Unity, uh, you're a Unity minister, but yet you've had all these influences by going back and forth and learning some of the spiritual uh, ideas and techniques from India. So why don't you give us a little a little bit of a background about Unity and how, how it kind of fits in with your with your trips and understanding of what's going on in India around their spiritual realm? Well, you know, I, I found Unity... Um, after going through a really rough time in my life, it was over 30 years ago, and I had was out. It was a second divorce, you know, single mom. I was cleaning up my act from dealing with some, you know, indulging with alcohol as a way to distract me from looking at what was going on in my life. And I, I found unity, and there was something about the. Oh, the ability to find a place inside myself that I discovered in a unit the first time I went to a unity service and I used to sit in the back row and like you were just saying I would weep I just I felt so connected to something I didn't really know what it was and I would hightail it out the front door before anybody could see me or talk to me and you know I tell people that now and I'm I'm the minister at unity of Santa Rosa now and I tell people those of you in the back row, be careful. <laughs> you never know what will happen to you. Um, but, you know, the thing about unity, and I think that's part of what we'll talk about today, is this understanding that everything in the world and everything that happens to us is 
a way to enlighten us more deeply into the spiritual journey that is each individual's birthright, in a sense, to become more connected to the truth and authenticity of who we are. And in this case, as, as women, this is a powerful time with the story of the birth of Jesus and the advent and the, the role that women play in that story is profound. And it's part of our story for all of us. But what's so interesting when you read the story and you, and you recognize that, and, and then you look at today's world, but they're trying to always knock women down. You know, they give you, give you, we go one foot forward, and then all of a sudden we have to go three feet back, and then we have to struggle again to get to where we had. So it's, it's really, it's really interesting. Well, well, you know, it's interesting that you say that because, you know, December 21st, it's the winter solstice, and then on 20, <laughs> December 25th, we, we celebrate Christmas, which is supposedly the, the celebration of the, of the Prince of Peace. You know, what, what do you think, why does that happen at this particular time? Because I was reading, I was reading that that actually December twenty fifth was the declaration made by a, a body of popes is that this is the day that we're going to declare that that Jesus was born. So, what does the solstice have to do with, say, the birth of the Prince of the Peace? And then, what was the expectation when they actually added that? They said this is the birth of the Prince of Peace, and there's all these wars going on. So, can you kind of address that a little bit? Well, I think I think to address it, and especially because you've highlighted this Prince of Peace, we, we need to understand what this whole idea of the Prince of Peace is. And in a way, it it's so there's so many parallels in the world that we're living in right now. You know, before there was a man Jesus, and and he was born into a culture where there was a divided political and also divided religious experience in the world that he was living in at the time. And this is where it, the prophecy came from the prophet Isaiah that we read about in the Bible, which, of course, is something that's written after the time that Jesus was walking on the earth. The prophecy was, for unto us a child is born, unto us a, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So at that time... The rulers were, were the, the sovereignty was ro- ruled by Romans. And the Jewish culture that was also living in the same space as the Romans had their own uh, ruling group called the Sanhedrin. So already there was a disconnection between the rule of the Romans and the, and the Jewish rule at the time of the Sanhedrin see the conflict happening already between politics and religion we can certainly see it in in our world today and i'm you know we're not going to go there but that's part of the dynamic and the jewish people believed that this birth someone was to come to them there was a prophecy that somebody who would would come to them who would become this prince of peace he would become uh, the the government will be on his shoulder. He'll be a wonderful counselor. There'll be somebody to really guide us into this next evolution of who we are as a people in this place that's basically a land of, it's a foreign land for us. So that's something to be mindful of when we're talking about, you know, this whole story of what's happening in the time of Christmas. Now, how your question about the linking of the solstice and the birth of Jesus being on Christmas the 25th. A lot of that has to do with old ancient pagan traditions and also just the way the natural cycle of the coming of the light. 
so they linked in the story with the transition of moving out of the darkest day into the beginning of the light, which feels like a, you know, it feels like a new birth. It feels like something wonderful is going to happen. I don't really have much more to say about that. I think that was an arbitrary thing. I mean, we don't really know what day Jesus was born. And at some level, does it really matter? But the thing that's cool about, for me, that's wonderful about this is every year, Elaine, this experience of renewal, of rebirth, this awareness that something extraordinary is coming And it's something that we each individually, as women, as men who carry both a divine masculine, divine feminine, we can search inside ourselves and feel what is it that's being born in us. And and to... That's okay. Keep on. Go ahead. Okay. Well, Prince of Peace, emergency. Get ready. It's happening. <laughs> well, it was <laughs> kind of is an emergency. It, it, was, it, was kind of, <laughs> it was like kind of an announcement. Hey, pay attention to this. The the bugles are blowing. The angels are here to letting us know. Well, you know, it's so interesting when you say this because, like I said, I was reading. I found this uh, very interesting. It says a very non uh, history of Christmas, which I thought was really interesting. That there was actually a declaration made by a pope that December twenty fifth would be the uh, uh, around two, 350 A.D., Pope Julius I officially declared December 25th to mark the birth of Christ. There was no evidence that this actual day of birth, on the, to the contrary, Gospel Luke says, and then there's there's a, another explanation of it. But it looks like it was a declaration. And then I, I find that there are so many things attached to it. And one of the things that I've become very much aware of lately is the thing about Advent. You know, and, and you have this, this, this calendar that every day you open up a page and I, I don't, not quite clear why that is happening. And then I wonder if that's not transitioned into, you know, where the kids are waiting for their presents and for Santa Claus. So can you just talk, what is the purpose of Advent and what is it? So for me, Advent isn't about the calendar. <laughs> You know, the calendar is sort of a fun thing, like you can open the door and get a piece of chocolate, or you can open the door and get a little message of some sort. But the word Advent actually means something is coming. It's, it's an approach of something. And what it is, it's a time of preparation. And we're preparing for something that is coming within us individually. And again, I really want to affirm what for me is one of the key parts of being uh, a unity student. I might be a unity minister, but I'm always a unity student. And that is that the founders of unity, Charles and Myrtle Fillmore, saw the stories in the Bible not as any sort of true story about how things actually happened, but rather a story that demonstrates to us our own individual journey, the journey of our soul as we move into higher levels of consciousness and awakening, those levels being peace, love, gratitude, spiritual strength, spiritual understanding, spiritual power, all these things that are qualities within us 
that we may not demonstrate on a regular basis, but the stories in the Bible and the characters themselves in the Bible represent aspects of who we are as we're on this journey. And so the Advent story itself is a story of a journey, and we can understand it every year. For me, I understand it every year in a little bit different way because I'm at a different place in my own spiritual journey and what's being born in me as qualities of being. And and also because we are spiritual beings having very physical experiences, we have bodies. So part of what's being born in us is what it is that we're called to do in the world. What action are we called to take? You know, and you're very, as a human being, as a spiritual being with a human body, Elaine, I can say that just knowing you, you're someone who's very, very active bringing your spiritual life into the world. And so that's part of what the whole Advent, it's about this preparation time as we become more and more aware of something that's being called to us. And the characters, you know, remind us of that, the characters in the Christmas story. Well, it's an amazing story, and it has a, a lot more meaning than we realize, you know. And we look at we look at the way the holiday presents itself sometimes that we forget the spiritual aspect of it. And also, it also is the story of light, of bringing light, bringing new consciousness, bringing gifts, all kinds of different things going on. It's almost the story of your own opening your own heart, the way it's presented. This is here's this child that's that's, that's coming to us, you know. They can't find a place to sleep, you know. No. It, People are rejecting them, and yet they find a place, and then all this, all these gifts come. I mean, it's an amazing story, but it really is our story, like you said. So because it's light, I picked, we're going to take a musical break, if that's okay with you, Patricia. Sure. And we're going to play one of my favorite songs, you know, and Ken, Ken always says, Elaine, why do, you, why do you kind of bring these songs in all the time? I says, because these songs have a message, and this is called Light a Candle, and it uh, was written by Neil Young. I think this should be, I mean, he should have gotten... He should have gotten awards for this song. It's so amazing. But I found a woman singing of it. Like, of course, this is Women's Spaces. So we're going to play Light a Candle, and it's sung by Frozen Heart. And listen to the songs, especially, I like the last line they say, the, the, the last stanzas they have. Light a candle in the darkness so others might see ahead. Light a candle in the darkness when you go. I mean, the whole idea of bringing light to the world is just amazing. And when we return, I will continue my conversation conversation with Reverend Dr. Patricia Keel. She's a longtime student of metaphysics and a spiritual teacher in the mystical form. And we are talking about Christmas and the tradition and its rituals. So let's go ahead, Ken. Let's play Light a Candle by Frozen Heart. Instead of
talking about Christmas and we're talking about light and you know the, the Jewish people are celebrating Hanukkah and last night when I lit my Hanukkah candles it was the fifth day of Hanukkah and I said wow the fifth day of Hanukkah peace peace has five letters in it p-e-a-c-e and then I looked at the letter p and I said well we got to keep persisting for peace and then all of a sudden I found myself doing this prayer and saying, I pray that the people of the world come together, that the UN is strong enough to stand up and say enough is enough. We have to sit down at the table and talk. We have to bring peace, peace and happiness, justice and happiness to this world. Well, that's just my little, my little spiel for the morning. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and I have the honor of interviewing this morning Dr. Reverend uh, Patricia Keel, and we are talking about Christmas, its traditions, and rituals. Well, welcome back, Patricia. Welcome back to Women's Spaces. That's some song, isn't it? It is. You know, and I was telling you that last night I went with a friend of mine to Spirit Rock, which is a... a primarily Buddhist, but I wouldn't say that everybody who's there is Buddhist. It's a beautiful spiritual center in West Marin. And they did a very powerful candlelighting ritual 
uh, lighting 108 candles. Mm. So there were 400 of us there, and it was powerful to be in the darkness in a room with 400 people in basically concentric circles around this uh, candle lighting experience. So they started in the dark, and we were in the silence for quite a while, and then they began some chanting, and then one by one, people came up and started lighting these candles until eventually all 108 candles were brightly lighting the room. That was it. It was very, very beautiful and very powerful. So we and had... again, it's not the solstice, but it's, a, it's that experience of moving from the darkness into the light and really feeling what it feels like. Well, it feels like that this time of the year, that's why it's so stunning to me when I'm thinking of this horrific war. And, you know, I say it over and over. I'm not taking a side one way or another. Just stop warring, for God's sakes. Find another way. You know, I mean, look at all this, all the people that are hurt. And then when I was lighting these candles and I was looking at the, you know, the beautiful tradition of doing that. And at one hand, you've got all this wonderful tradition. On the other hand, you have all this destruction. You know, how do you handle it? How do you bring it together? How do you, you know, how do you not how do you not just tell your children you know this is not real the way it's happening i mean if we're supposed to be celebrating all this stuff right now and have this going on particularly in the holy war so you know tell us you know tell us the story just as quickly as you can of you know of the of the christmas story and then how does unity pull it apart and and give give people a kind of the idea of how this might encourage or, or uplift them in their own lives even help them to raise their consciousness at this time Wow, that's a tall tale. <laughs> so, um, you know, the Christmas story is really powerful story. And I'm going to share, there, there are kind of two parallel things that are happening. One is before Mary was called by the angel Gabriel and told that she was to carry a child, her cousin Elizabeth was, was also, who was an older woman, her husband was called. He was a priest in the temple. He was a Jewish priest in the temple. And the angel Gabriel, which we can read as a messenger, came to him and said, you've always wanted a child, and now is your time. You and your wife, who are in their 80s, you're going to have a child. And his response was he was terrified. And the angel said to him, fear not, because you found favor with God. You will, you and your wife will have a child, but because you didn't believe me, I will not, you will not be speaking until that child is born. Now, can you imagine if you're a, a, a minister or a priest and they tell you you can't speak for nine months? He was basically forbidden to, to put out that negative thought form that said, oh, how could I, how could this ever happen to me? How could this miracle happen to me? Because I'm too old. And think of all those things in our own life where that happens for us. We get an inspiration. We get an ins- something tells us that, that we can do something. And then our mind clicks in and gives us all the reasons that it's not possible. Right. So, so that's where Zachariah that, and that part of us inside that wants to logically figure out things. We're, we're being invited not to broadcast whatever it is that we're thinking. And ultimately, we stop thinking about it because we're not talking about it. We're not sending it out in the world. This is part of the whole coming of the Prince of Peace because the Prince of Peace is inside of each one of us. There's a peaceful place inside of each one of us where we're not causing conflict. There's no inner conflict, just like you know we're seeing the outer conflict in the world. 
So that whole piece is kind of a precursor to the angel Gabriel once again coming to this very beautiful, they call her virgin. We can think of this place inside of us that's very wholesome, very humble. It doesn't mean that we've never had sex. That's not what we're talking about when we're talking about virgin. We're talking about a quality of consciousness that's very, very pure. And so this message came to her that she was to be carrying this very special being. And her first response is, oh, my God, how could it, how could it be me? Who am I to be having this experience? And again, Gabriel, that messenger, says, fear not. Don't be afraid. And this is an important part for, I think, all of us to understand in the, in the dynamic of the story is often when we get news of something that seems impossible for us to carry out because we don't value who we are. And so many women, that's so much a part of our kind of heritage and culture that, you know, you got to play small. Who are you to think you could be the president of the United States? Or who are you to think that you could solve some sort of conflict in the world? But the fact of the matter is, if we get that message, it's part, it's part of our, it's part of our DNA. It's part of our destiny. So that whole part of the story, I think, is really important for us, not just as women, but as all beings to understand. And it's the divine feminine aspect of us, that feeling emotional nature that has the ability of soul consciousness to carry this Prince of Peace energy. We can see that Zechariah, the masculine, more masculine energy of us, is always logically trying to figure out, is this going to work? Is it not going to work? And get gets kind of caught up in the mental of all of that. Are you with me, Elaine? Do you Wait, need- yes, no. I was just going to make a comment. You know, as yeah, I'm listening, I thought you were. <laughs> as I as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, there's a lot of protesting going on, and and one of the themes is is people are angry about what is happening. The fact that instead of us sending peace you know, peace people over there that we sent weaponry and all of a sudden they see that there's a mistake and there's a lot of conversation going on. And as you're talking, I'm seeing that the consciousness of people, people are beginning to see war is not the answer and they're coming out. And then you have the other side that's always struggling. You know, they don't want to give up. They don't want to let go. You know, they don't want to believe that peace is possible. You know, they, they just don't want to let go. And it's, it's very interesting when you tell the story that this might be the time to turn your light on and to let go and to really start looking at what it is in you that stops the peace from coming forward. I mean, that, that's kind of what I'm picking up from it. Absolutely. You know, and also, you know, Gabriel comes as a representative of a message. And we can get a message as an insight, as an inspiration. We can get a message because somebody tells us. We can get a message when a book falls off a shelf or we see some movie that really touches the heart. And again, it's about that. It's got to touch that aspect of us that is the heart, the soul of who we are at an emotional level. It's got to be held in that space. That's why the the presence of so many women involved, and we wish there were way more physical women involved, but bringing more of that divine feminine consciousness into the male leadership um, can be a really important piece of finding this place of peace where we're out of inner conflict. Because when we're in inner conflict, Outer conflict is, is going to manifest in the world. And Elizabeth is an interesting dynamic because 
she was much older. She was related to Mary, but she carried an, an elder wisdom. And there's a quality of that elder wisdom that also is part of this peace this peace situation. And I love how you bring that into all your shows, Elaine. So very, very powerful. Well, I want to I want to yeah, tell you something ahead. really quickly. You know, when you see what inspired you for me was about it's I think it's been about 25 years ago. I was under my oak tree in my backyard here in Santa Rosa, and I was just meditating. And all of a sudden, I saw these children coming towards me that they were crying. And they were saying, help, help, stop, stop the wars. And all of a sudden, I broke out of it. I thought, oh, my goodness. And then shortly after that, you know, 10 years later, when they had the Andy Lopez situation and all the different things around these different wars, it really it really propelled me to have to just to say, to speak out, to try to encourage other people to stand up for peace, for love, for equality. I mean, it's a, I just didn't mean to throw that in. Well, you know, we're coming real quickly to the end of to the end of our, our wonderful experience here. And I was I was wondering, you know, if you could just tell us, you know, how does how does what's a way that people can bring in, you know, because I, I look and I see people are running around for presents, you know, kids are waiting. I mean, it's all this stuff around presents and, and, and dinners and different things. How do people bring the spirit of Christmas into their heart as, as far as wanting peace and, and, and stepping forward with that idea? Well, so, you know, you and I could talk about this for another hour, but I think what I want to do to respond to your question is 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 referred to Mary and Elizabeth. We're on women's spaces, and there's a quality inside Mary where she was willing to hold the space for something extraordinary that was being given to her. And so I want to ask a question to each woman who's listening and each man who's listening to this. What is the inner nudge? What idea is coming? What message have you been receiving lately and maybe hold it through this holiday this advent season that you're now willing to accept as a gift to you there's something coming that you can hold that's your unique gift because that's part of the story we're not going to get to that but that's part of the wise the three wise men they were basically metaphysicians coming giving a gift that would be Mary's questioning. What do I see as my Mary quality? What's the gift that's being given to me? And then Elizabeth was someone who was able to see what Mary was holding. Elizabeth could see that Mary had this child that she was holding. So how can you be Elizabeth in your world? How can you hold more faith and more light for someone else? How can you can give someone the gift of borrowing, believing that peace is possible, that a place of calm presence is possible in all of us during this holy season and certainly beyond? So those would be the things I would say. What's the Mary in you that's being given a gift? Can you hold what that gift is silently in your heart? And then can you be Elizabeth and hold a space and see a gift in someone else? And call it out and say, I see what an incredible being you are. I see how you're so peaceful and calm, and it brings a sense of peace to all of us in our family, for instance. So those would be two things I would say. Well, it's an amazing, it's an amazing thought. It really is, because when you, 
when you start bringing that kind of feeling into your heart, all of a sudden you understand what it feels like to have peace, and you want more and more of it. So I think it's yeah. it's, it's absolutely it's absolutely wonderful. Well, you know, can you? We're coming to, like I said, we're coming to the end of our segment. Maybe you can give one or two, one or two little hints on, you know, maybe meditation or what. What do you feel people need to do a little bit more of during this time? You know, when you're talking about, I love the, I love the line in his light a candle in the darkness so others might see ahead. You know, what, 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 what recommendation you get to folks? Well, you know, I think one of the things that we forget to do, and you know. In, in the rush of trying to make sure that you've got your everything organized for Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever it is you're doing during this season, rushing around, even taking time to take a few days off from work, we've got to remember how powerful it is to just sit in the stillness and be present to our breath. You know, the breath is that spirit of life. It's very, in all my... In all my practices in India, everything begins with the breath. And so light a candle in your house and sit for a minute and open your eyes and just look at the flame of that candle. Then close your eyes and be aware of the breath moving through your body and the gift that you have of life in this time. The gift of the presence of something greater than yourself, the gift of your family, your friends, and the world that you live in. And send that peaceful presence that the gift of breath brings, the gift of life. Send that out into the world as a light in the world. And the most important thing is, you know, as you were talking about that, I hear so many people say, oh, it's our nature to war or it's our nature to hate. And, you know, and that it it might be our nature. I mean, that that, I think that's part of us. I think being a human being is a very complex, a a very complex situation. I mean, the older I get, the more aware I get of it. I mean, even I had this simple breakout on my body, this uh, psoriasis, and all of a sudden I'm living with my body 24 hours a day. So it's a very, it's a very interesting thing and just to recognize that we do have the power we do have the power to change and we do have the power if we only believe and put a little persistence and a little action into it well dr reverend patricia keel give us your website real quickly how they can get a hold of you and i want to thank you for this wonderful conversation we had a hundred other things i knew we would never get to but i just i just put them out there i says no we're going to do the best we can because the whole idea of this show is to recognize that this is a time of, of year that we're celebrating whether you believe it or not we're celebrating the peace the prince of peace so let's have a little peace let's have some peace talks all over our nation give us our, our your website real quick so my website is my name, Patricia Keel, K-E-E-L, like the bottom of a boat, .com. <laughs> my dad always used to say that. Well, thank <laughs> Anyways, you. Anyway, it's beautiful to be with you, and the Prince of Peace is inside of us. It's a princess. It's a prince. It's just that upwelling of the truth of who we are, and we are one people, one being. So thank let's you. celebrate that together. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Women's Faces. I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, as always, I say, our children are the future. We must never lose sight of that. Thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to being with you the next time. She's trying to come through A woman's voice with messages A woman's feelings Oh, the woman in your life She can feel so
Previous Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, December 11th, 2023, 